Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day, whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. world and thank you for tuning in. Are you ready to get into the word? Well, I am too. Today we're going to begin a brand new series I call The Family Bible Revolution. Another good name for it would be How to Have Family Worship. You see, I was taught how to read the Bible on a personal basis, so faith would begin to come into my heart. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing. And so most of my adult Christian life, I went home and read the Bible. But I was never taught how to have family worship. And as I have studied lately, I find there are five essentials to having a successful biblical family. They are, one, family worship, two, authority, three, appointed and anointed, four, generational, and five, church worship. You see, each essential depends on the other, and they all work together as a team. They support, encourage, add strength, and even correct each other as necessary. If one of these essentials is missing, the end result will not be the same. And if one essential is weak, the end result will be weak. Family worship, which is the first essential, is the focus of God's Word being presented and discussed in the household on a regular basis. Authority, being the second essential, establishes the responsibility and brings respect and honor. Appointed and anointed speaks of calling, gifting, and the God-given ability to fulfill that call. Generational speaks of the strength and energy of the young and the wisdom and fortitude of the old together. And finally, church worship speaks of the importance of the Sabbath and our gathering unto him in the beauty of holiness. Now, each one of these essentials brings an array of life freedom, joy, and peace. They're not difficult. On the contrary, they're so simple and easy, many overlook their importance and their purpose. You see, without a vision, people perish, as it says in Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen. Many have never been taught these five essentials as children. Therefore, they're clueless to their operation and potential. We live in a society that is so busy trying to make a living, they really do not have a living. How many times have we heard or even said ourselves, I can't do that because I'm so busy I just don't have the time. It's not just the who, what, when, and where. It's mainly the why. To know how to do something is one thing, but to have the vision of why gives the motivation, the purpose, and the direction. We have to be able to see the future to begin to do what we need to do now. Well, the who is you and the what is this, which I'm going to share, 
The when is now, and the where is right here in your home. Why? Well, that's why I'm giving this message. Oh, yes, we will discuss the details of who, what, when, and where, but the real purpose is to give the vision so we might see into the future, so we might know why, so that we stay motivated, so that we continue to walk with the eyes of our faith even though we may not see the answers and changes happening overnight. You see, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Some people know the what, but they don't have the vision or the why. But in all actuality, many don't even have the what. How would we ever have the vision if we don't even know what it is we should be doing? And that's what I will be teaching in this series about what we should be doing. Think about it. Did you ever have a class in marriage, parenting, or budgeting in elementary or high school? What about those who were never taught those things at home? What about those who were mentored, so to speak, during all their formative years with the exact things not to do? Well, if so, it's going to take some serious long-term re-education, and I'm looking to learn more. How about you? Someone might say, oh, I know what to do. Let's replace home education with government education. And instead of training the parents, let's take the kids away and let the government train them. Hey, maybe we can do the same thing within the church. The parents are too stupid and the father doesn't want to come to church anyway. Let's let an immature young adult that knows nothing about the Bible or family mentor our kids on how to have a successful life. Let's just bypass the parents completely. They need a break anyway. Well, I bet we all agree that's the wrong way to go. You see, where does God put his trust? Somehow we've missed where God placed his value and his trust. Maybe not intently, but in a sincere attempt to solve our broken homes and inept parents, we have built a substitute system to make things easier. Instead, I say let's place the value and trust and the responsibility where it belongs. Let's refigure our ministries to empower those who are the ones called, appointed, anointed, and responsible. Let's put our trust where God puts his trust. Just think it might start a revolution. You see, the weakness we enable will destable, while the strength we require will bring fire. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Here we see, that God's putting the responsibility on the Father. Here's another passage I find real strong. Do you think God's command here is a suggestion? In Psalms 78, 5 through 8, he says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. Oh my. A generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Could this be what we're facing today, could this be why the children and youth of our churches are walking away and not returning after their college years? 
Could this be why so many children do not have a relationship with their personal father? I heard Miles Monroe say, in order to raise a young man, it takes a father. And in order to raise a young woman, it takes a father. Hmm. Here's a good question. Is the word of God sufficient? Well, if it is, then let's do it his way. You see, family worship is the first essential. If you're a believer in Christ, you are a result of the original, quote, family worship, end quote, presented by the father of our faith, Abraham, approximately 4,000 years ago, around 2000 B.C. At that point, three men appeared to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 99 and Sarah was 90. Two of them were angels and the third was the Lord himself. The Lord prophesied Abraham and Sarah would have a child in their old age and be the parents of many nations. Then, as the three were leaving, the Lord gave instructions to inform Abraham about the coming destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because of a very particular characteristic Abraham had. Listen to Genesis 18, 16 through 19. Then the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So my question is, what was the characteristic Abraham had that convinced the Lord to warn him about the coming destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was the characteristic that he would command his children and household to keep the way of the Lord. You and I are part of the great and mighty nation and descendants of Abraham. Maybe not by blood, but by faith. Abraham is the greatest evangelist in the history of all mankind. He did not do it by large evangelistic meetings or a worldwide TV ministry. He did it in his household. Are we facing Sodom today? Do we want to reach the world for Jesus? Do we want people to be ready and prepared for his coming? Like Abraham, I suggest we start with our household. Genesis 12.3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Blessed in who? In Abraham. Why Abraham? Because he would command his children and his household in the way of the Lord. Out of Genesis 18:19. What does all this mean? It means that evangelism and revival's true beginning focal point is the household. It also means that the leader of the revival and evangelism is the head of the household, first being the father. In order to reach the world, we need to focus on the household and its all-important leader, the father, then to the extended heads of the household. You see, Abraham's original name was Abraham, meaning the father is exalted. God then changed his name to Abraham, meaning the father of a multitude or many nations. Even though the first name may have had pagan roots, I believe it was not without significance. Romans 4.16 says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, 
but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Scott Brown says, The history of the world begins with a father creating a world for his children, and it ends with him sitting with his son at his right hand. While these two great scenes provide much for fathers to learn, in between these two great scenes we find the meaning of fatherhood to be explained in careful detail. So what was the characteristic of Abraham? God said, For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he's spoken to him. This is a very strong word. And we're going to continue our study on how to have family worship at home. Because like Abraham, we can change the world with it. Well, that's all the time we have today. So I look forward to being with you in my next netcast. Mark your calendar, set your clock, and tune in next time as we continue in establishing the family Bible revolution through family worship in our homes. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is The Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's The Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.